Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. My name is Daniel. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon Church. Hello to our online family, Princeton, watching if you're watching online. And, and I promised my daughter I would do this. She's at home sick. How many parents you got their kids going through that whatever demonic flu is going around right now? Yeah, you guys are out there getting coffee right now. You're like, I didn't know our bed could have that many children in it on rotation throughout the whole night. But Zoe, you better be watching daddy. You promised me that you'd watch from home. She's sick. Both of our kids are at home right now uh, with Katie. There's going to be some stuff going on behind me. So if you're ADHD or ADD, just close your eyes for the next five minutes and listen to my voice and you'll be all good. Um, We're in a series uh, called Legacy. If you've been at Horizon Church for any period of of time, uh, you will have heard about Legacy. You would have been part of it. Uh, The bit of the tagline that comes along with Legacy is unchanging mission for an ever-changing world. Uh, I, every year we kind of come back to this. We're like, oh, do we want to do a tagline? And, and we kind of joke in the office, me and Pastor Craig, like, well, if it's, if it's unchanging, we're, our hands are kind of tied, aren't we? Um, but the reality is the world changes. The, the economy changes. But the mission that God has called his people to, sorry, the ADD person needs to keep looking this way, um, that's called his people to is unchanging. And Pastor Craig started last week looking at this idea called the ripple effect. And when it comes to generosity, uh, that's going to be the theme or the word picture. In a minute here, you'll see it on the screen of a water drop. If you spent any time on the lake or around water, uh, or if you're a kid, you know, if you watch Instagram, this one's for the boys, the guy that takes the huge rock in like the glass water and just chucks it and it hits and you see how far the ripple can go, right? Come on, any guy's been there, you're on a tall cliff, and the only thing you can think about is what can I throw off this cliff to make a big bang? When it comes to generosity, Mark's like, yes, amen. Uh, When it comes to generosity, what does it look like to live life in a way that would have that effect? And we're going to take a few weeks, um, the next two weeks after this, and actually look at one of my favorite things, looking at all of the things that happen Some of you are actually like trying to look around me right now to see what's going on behind me. They're doing a great job. (laughs) Um, But we're going to look at all of the things. Legacy Sunday is an offering. When we talk about it, we bring and take up that actually goes outside of these walls. It's something where it's our global missions, some of it's local missions, um, but money that goes beyond these walls that we might see a diverse community of Jesus followers transforming lives, families, neighborhoods, and nations. That's the unchanging mission that we're called to, that we might be people that can partake in seeing people in Thailand hear the good news of the gospel for the first time because there's churches planted, that we might see widows and orphans looked after, that we might see families in our town of Princeton that would hear the good news of Jesus and find a place to gather and worship, that there would be students that grow up in poverty and grow up in hard situations that know that there's a church that loves them, that brings them food for the weekends, that has a gift for Christmas, that this is what it's a part of. And we're going to take some time and look at that the next two weeks. But I'm, I'm excited about today. As you can tell, it's a little bit different behind me. 
Uh, we're going to look at something practical, but before we do, a couple just housekeeping. You guys walked in, and on every other seat, there was a legacy pledge card. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but that, that is on purpose. It wasn't just littered. And if you just thought everyone was saving seats for their friends and there was nowhere for you to sit, sit on the card. It's for you. Um, but starting this Sunday and for the next two Sundays, if you want to give towards Legacy, last Sunday, Pastor Craig hit on praying for what would the Lord have you give, what does it look like to be generous. Um, but sometimes it's rather, hey, you might not have it right now to be able to give, you say, you know what, I can give an extra 5% or you know what, this year I can give X amount of dollars and this just helps us, one, pray for you. You'll notice it doesn't have a spot for your name or your address or your phone number. We're not going to call you and say, hey, remember back in November 2023, you said, but it gives us a bit of an idea for our planning and a bit of an idea for how to pray for you. And so this card here, if that's where kind of with Gener our Legacy Sunday, what you're looking at is to say, I feel like God's asking me to pledge this next calendar year, 12 months for this. You would write that down and just place it in the offering. Uh, if you're actually giving today and you, and you are, uh, I got to step back. The sound guy's like, please stop standing at the top of the stage. Um, if you're actually giving, you'd put the actual amount on the envelope when we take up the offering, okay? So this is just, hey, this is what I'm planning to give as it says a pledge. And then as you head out, if you missed it last week, uh, we have these nice cars. This is for you to take home, uh, to put on your fridge, to look at it. Talks about the unchanging mission that we're called to and some of the things that we're doing. Uh, I love just placing on a fridge all year long. All year long. It just reminds us of what we're a part of and what we're giving. So those are just two things that uh, one's on your seat and one that you can find. But last week, Pastor Craig looked at a verse and kind of led into ways that we can be generous in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 to 12. And it reads this. It says, he who supplies seed, he being Jesus, he being God, is the one who supplies the seed to the sower. That would be us. And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. To your neighbor, say, that's good news. That's good news. Say, I'm a candidate. For, for multiplication, for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in, in one or two ways, in every way. Why? And this is where we get a little bit up, and, and some of you, you might even have a little bit of uh, filters coming up or walls coming up, and oh, he's talking about in every way, enrichment, all the purpose of enrichment in every way, including our finances, is that we might be generous in every way, which through us, again, Paul is taking up an offering at this point, through us will produce thanksgiving to God. He's saying your generosity leads to other people being affected, the ripple effect, and they thank God because of your generosity. It's not about you. It's not about your name. Your blessing isn't so that you can eat your seed and just be fat and happy on the hill. The purpose of blessing, the purpose of enrichment is that we might be able to reflect the person we claim to follow our life with being King Jesus. Jesus, who is generous in every way for the ministry of services, not only to supply the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many, bringing thanksgiving to God. And Pastor Craig looked at this idea of the ripple effect, and we can look at here, because I, I like graphics right here. It's a nice little water drop, and you, uh, online, you can't see that as well. Can we get a zoom? No, I won't do that to the camera people. But it's the ripple effect. When it comes to generosity, we looked at... Generosity starts with God. 
You don't even have the ability to be generous apart from God giving you life, putting breath in your lungs, giving you the ability to make it that Jesus, or God in his son Jesus, generously gave long before we earned it, long before we deserved it, gave his son for us. So generosity starts with God. And it ripples out to the giver. When we receive generously, we're called to be generous people. That's one of the marks of, of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. They will know you're Christians by your love one for another. And one of the ways we see love is just generous hospitality, generous with our words, generous with the possessions that we have, generous to give that all throughout church history, the church was marked by generosity. And I get a little bit confused, and a little bit frustrated when in culture we look at the church as like, oh, they just want money, they just want this. If you took out the generosity of faith-based in Christ organizations around the world, the world would crumple. It would cease to exist. Like the church is the largest, most significant organization. Forget the multi-billionaires. Forget Elon Musk. It's the body of Christ standing up to reflect the generosity of their king, Jesus. That this is what it means to reflect who Jesus is. In everything, generous with our praise. As Pastor Craig talked about last week, there's seven ways to be generous that doesn't hit your bank account. Well, well, six, because one was financial giving. But six ways to be generous with a smile, with your thought, with your influence, uh, with your words, with your time, with your attentions, with your belongings. That it ripples to the giver, and when the giver doesn't just allow the ripple to stop with them, says, I'm, I'm willing to be a conduit to see this ripple out pass through me. That effect that Christ has had in our life begins to ripple out and affect others. And Matthew 5 says, let your good works, whatever you do, be seen before men. Not that they might look at you and be like, wow, that person's incredible. But when they see the ripple, when they see it coming, they look and they give glory to who God is. But this week, I'm excited for what we're going to talk about. It started three weeks ago, or three, not weeks, years ago, when we were taking up a legacy and if I'm honest, when it came to Legacy Sunday, my giving was like, oh, okay, Lord, how much you want me to give? I kind of pray and consider, and all right, and I put out the pledge. I'm like, well, I hope I can figure this out. And I was generous on credit, right? Like, it was like, okay, Lord, we're, we're, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And, and I remember that year saying, okay, God, what do you want me to give? And I, rather than the number which normally came, I felt like the Lord said, what would it look like for you to actually get your finances in order and be a good steward so that next year, you have managed your finances in a way that honors me so that you actually have something to be able to give. What if you stopped live, started living beneath your means rather than way above your means? What if you started to be wise with your money that the Bible talks about so that when it comes to generous, you are well prepared and able to respond to opportunities of generosity? And I was thinking about this, and then Pastor Craig said, hey, what, what if we did a little bit of a practical Sunday for Legacy. I was like, I'm in. Let's do it. Like, absolutely. This has been on my heart. And so we're going to have a bit of an interview today, but we're going to look at three kind of steps when it comes to managing our money. But to, to phrase this conversation, Pastor Craig used an analogy last week, uh, a conduit versus a reservoir. You know what a conduit, the kind of example conduit is like a big pipe that water gets from one place to the other. A reservoir can be helpful, but it, it, it can give water, but only once its levels are to a certain level of satisfaction, once it has more than what it needs, then it can overflow 
and be generous. And as Pastor Craig was speaking, I was just kind of taking notes. And I felt like the Lord said, this is what trust is. Because some of us, I feel like we have the musical chair syndrome when it comes to generosity, right? Like you're sitting here, like you got your, your paychecks here. And the Lord's like, okay, I want you to give. You're like, all right, well, uh, and as soon as someone moves, oh, okay, I'm good. Okay, once there's an opening, once I know that I'm going to be okay, then I'm generous. Because if the music stops, I don't want to be left with nothing. And the picture of a conduit doesn't worry about the supply. It knows its job is to connect to the source and to take what the source is giving and say, hey, I'm just going to be a conduit. I'm not going to worry if, if the Lord is not going to be faithful. This is my job. This is what it looks like. Now, I'm not saying give all your money away. That, that might be unwise. But to say, hey, I'm going to take biblical wisdom and understanding and principle, and I'm going to live with what God's called me to live so that I can be a blessing. And sometimes it's going to be of my overflow that I can give, and sometimes it's going to be a sacrifice. But if the Lord calls me to it, he is the provider. So my job is just to be a conduit. We're going to look at what it looks like to trust the Lord in action with your finances this morning. And number one is, what does it look like to trust God to generate wealth? If you're taking notes, you can throw it up there. Trust God to generate wealth. There's four simple points, and, and you, you take notes or take pictures of the phone, sit down and talk about this if we want to, but we got to move this morning, so it's going to go quick. But what does it look like to trust God with your finances? Number one is to trust that God desires you to be overflowing in the area of finances. That's his heart and, and desire for you. Now, now hear me. What I'm not saying is, oh, God just wants you to be rich for richness sake. Let's look at a couple passages that show us what this looks like and how God does. His desire is that we would handle any of our finances, all of our finances, knowing that our money is not just meant for us. That's what it looks like to live in overflow because you can overflow with a dollar if you know that that dollar isn't meant for you to consume. And you could not overflow with a million dollars if you think that all of that is for you. We see this in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We see the reaping laws in Leviticus 32, or 23, 22. It says, and when you reap, when you go in your crop, you have a field, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to the edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings, the things that drop on the ground after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, for I am the Lord your God. And it's interesting, he says, hey, listen, you're not supposed to take everything. Why? Because I'm the Lord your God. You belong to me, and the world needs to see that I'm a generous God. This was the purpose in God all the way back in Abraham, that I'm going to bless you. Why? So that the nations might know what it looks like to belong to me. This is the story of, uh, of, of Boaz and Ruth where she's actually, she's gleaning on the edge of the field. They were, per, they were prevented from taking everything that technically was theirs. He says, if you belong to me, you're going to live in a way that shows generosity to the poor, shows generosity to those who aren't there. We see that this, then in Jewish tradition, we talk about the four cups in communion, and every single cup, when they begin to pour it, it had a cup, and then like the saucer underneath it, and this was part of them reminding that they would pour until it overflowed. 
So when it talks about salvation, they understand it wasn't just enough, it was more than enough. When it talks about redemption, God was more than generous. And not only was it remembering that our God gives us more than we deserve, but we as a people of God are meant to overflow in whatever it looks like. And the verse that we read that started last week in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11 says, you will be enriched, you will overflow in every way. Why? That you might be generous in every way. We need to understand there's sometimes theology is like, oh, this prosperity theology, oh, I'm not sure. Like, oh, they're just trying to earn it. And, and you can go every which way to an extreme in any theology you want to look at. But when I, I think of this, I think of my brother when he first moved over here from the island. He was living just down the road there. Him and his wife, he was going to school. She was just trying to work. They had barely enough money just to tithe, and, and that was it. And I remember him talking to me. I was in Portland. He goes, man, it's, it's tough for us. We, we always love being, we had a certain percentage that we were always generous with. But we said, you know what? We have a home and we have a fridge of food. So right now we can't be generous with our dollars, but we can be generous with our time, our home, and our food. That's overflow. Not excess of money. It's understanding that everything I have is not meant for just me. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. So trust that God desires you to be overflowing in the area of your possessions of your wealth. Number two is trust that it is actually God who gives you the power and the ability to get wealth. Pastor Craig touched on this last week in Deuteronomy 8, 11 to 20. And we're not going to read all of that. We're going to hit on one verse, but they're going from the, uh, the wilderness into the promised land, and they're writing this saying, hey, listen, before you get wealthy, before you go into this promised land, you need to remember certain things. It says, don't forget that it was me that led you out of Egypt. Don't forget that it was me that said, hey, get your neighbor's jewelry so that you're wealthy. Don't forget it was me that empowered you to walk in the Red Sea. Don't forget that it was me that put the log and turned the bitter water to sweet. Don't forget it was me that when you struck the walk, that water, came out of it. Don't forget that I fed you by my hand daily with manna. It was me that provided you to do this, this miraculous happening. But what was happening in this moment as they were preparing to cross the Jordan? You know what happened once they crossed the Jordan? The manna stopped. There's times where you're like, God, we're thankful for the check or the groceries that just show up. But trusting the Lord with your finances is not always having to depend on miraculous God getting me out of jail free cards because I am so disobedient and disorganized with my finances. It's learning to take the principles of God and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Even when the manna stops, I'm going to operate in a way that understands that you are the one that brought us to the promised land, that you are the one that walks in this, that it's God that gives us the power, not just the breath, but you know how you're put together is maybe part of how God wants to bless you? your personality, your interests, when it comes to jobs, like how, how your mind works in doing this, that God wants to bless you and he's actually given you the ability, the people, you're the neighbors that you're next to, the, the connections that you have. I think when we understand that God desires to bless us, some of us just sit with these ideas for a business idea, like, ah, that would never work. What does it look like to take steps? And we're gonna talk about wisdom and how to take those steps, but to trust God enough. Say, hey, he has given me the ability to provide not just for myself, but more than enough so that those around me would be blessed. Number three, trust that work is a gift. Everyone under 30, write that down. That wasn't a, a spelling mistake, all right? Work is a gift. A lot of times, they, oh, work was a curse of sin. No, 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 Adam was called to work in the garden before sin. Intellectually and in naming the animals and in getting things certain and physically, that work is part of what God has called us to. 
And when we work with the character that he represents him, when he does this, that gives us the ability to actually make money. Sometimes you just want to pray, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me. Hey, got a great job. Oh, full time? Uh, you sure? And we see one TikToker that gets rich quick, and we're just looking for our get-out-of-jail-free card. And some of us, God wants to bring blessing to us, but we don't have the work ethic to actually walk through the doors that he's given us to say, I'm going to work, and I'm going to work hard. I'm going to represent my God. I'm going to, as in, in, oh, I need to rest, rest, rest. In the Old Testament, you work hard six days, and you rest one day. And that's how it honored God. But work, friends, is a gift. When it comes to finances, one of the ways that you can walk in generosity is understanding that God has called you to work. And lastly, if I can invite up Marvin and Josh. We're not going to get, we have messages on this online. I'm sure we'll teach more on it. It's important. But one of the primary, the first step in trusting God with your finances is to tithe. Can I just say this? If you follow Jesus and and you have a, a church that you call home and you've yet to step into the obedience and the trust of tithing, um, there's something out of order there. You can't say you trust God with all your finances, but this is the Bible literally says, this is how you prove that you trust me. Tithe. 10%. And this is what you're called to. Yeah, you, you both take a seat there. Perfect. I'll, I'll be there in just one second. <laughs> one of the ways we trust God when it comes to how do we generate wealth, understand that God wants to bless us. Understand that he gives us the ability, not just physically, but the ideas and the relationships around there to do what you're called to do. Understanding that it's going to take work. But when it comes to our finances, one of the ways that we can say, God, I trust you, not just in word, but indeed Jesus later on says, hey, if you love me, you'll actually obey me. He says lip service is cheap. When it comes to our finances, one thing to say, I trust God, but if we're not going to take a step into obedience and reorder my finances so at the very minimum I can tithe, I would, I would maybe say maybe there's some growth that we have to go when it comes to trusting God with your finances. And if you're new to tithing, Come talk to me. Come talk to any of these guys up here. Talk to someone who's been around. They'll have story after story after story of God's goodness and his faithfulness in this area. I live in a house that I didn't pay for. And that house, that what it is and the situation for that, not just all oh, house, that there's two people sitting right next to me today that I wouldn't be friends with and I'm not sure if their paths would have crossed in, in following Jesus because of situations. That when you put God first, God just begins to work and do things that are a little bit different than maybe we would see. And so today, uh, I got two gentlemen up here with me. Uh, you may know, uh, I was going to say Pastor Marvin. I, was, I call him Bishop Marvin and Bishop Josh. Um, and you can tell they're very uncomfortable with both of those titles. Uh, I was going to say, but I have the microphone, but they also have one, so I'm going to behave. But we looked at this idea, number one, is if we're going to be generous, we have to have something to be generous with. We need to trust God in the way he set it up to generate wealth, like we've talked about. But we're going to start with Marvin. And we want to look at this idea, what does it look like to be a good steward and to manage wealth? Because our culture doesn't do that very well or often, and there's certain things biblically that actually goes against what we would think is logical that we're going to get into. Um, but Marvin, one of the reasons Marvin, on a personal level, on 
I won't ask him how many board levels of looking over trustee and finances. He's in, in times that we live in a building or we, we meet in a building on a campus largely because of Marvin's stewardship uh, in the financial realm, then in the political realm with nonprofits and government. When it comes to this, this isn't just ideas uh, for Marvin. This is something that's been lived, and there's good fruit on that tree. And so we're going to ask a, a few questions uh, to Marvin. You doing okay? Yes, sir. All right. We'll get this thing. There it is. There we go. So my first question, is what are the dumbest, no, no, okay. What are the mistakes? <laughs> if we were talking this way, I'd be like, tell me all the stupid things that I'm doing, but we'll be gentle to everyone else. Um, when it comes to finances, what are, what are some of the, maybe the mistakes that you see people that are trying to honor God with their finances, but the things that would trip them up or the mistakes that they would make in, in, the, rea- in the realm of managing or stewarding finances? Well, traditionally, we're going to think, okay, Marvin, you're going to answer something like tithing, you know, which you've already talked about. Uh, what about debt, especially in our culture today, debt? And then someone will come up, well, well hold a second, you've got to have a budget, you've got to have a budget. Well, all of those are important, but I would argue the biggest mistake that Christians make of finances is we don't believe God. We simply don't. Uh, Hannah, I don't see where she is, but Hannah, wherever you are, thank you uh, this morning uh, because I think that's the biggest challenge. We don't believe God. When it comes to salvation, we can make salvation work, uh, you know, because we can't see it, we can't handle it, we can't touch it, so we can, we can accept salvation because, yes, the finished work of Calvary. But hold on a second, I can touch, I can feel, I can, all these other things uh, when it comes to money, businesses, all those sorts of things. So we simply don't believe God, we don't trust him. Uh, I, I want to use the illustration, Second Chronicles 20.20, where Jehoshaphat is uh, going off into a battle. And, and it doesn't matter what the battle is, because... Um, Different battles have had different solutions. Like when you hear the rustle in the mulberry tree or send a camp around the side or the really silly one, get rid of everybody and 300 of you come out with candles and, and, and uh, jars. You know, I mean, talk about stupid ways to win <laughs> wars, you know. Uh, so anyhow, Second Chronicles uh, 2020, Jehoshaphat is all of a sudden the Moabites, the Ammonites, uh, Mount Seir, they're all coming against him. So we got these three nations piling on top of him. And, and Jehoshaphat is challenged by God. And what he says is he says, believe in the Lord your God and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets and so you shall prosper. So verse 21, he goes on and he appoints singers to sing of the beauty of God's holiness. What a silly thing to sing about. You're about to go into a battle and get killed, possibly. Sing and praise God about the beauty of his holiness. Uh, then verse 22, the Lord sets ambush against Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Uh, 24, Judah comes up over the hill and they look down and all there are dead bodies all over. They've all killed each other. They didn't fight at all uh, because they trust God. God said, this is how you do it. Kick into the New Testament, uh, Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What's the kingdom of God, though? So so what does that look like when you say, because we've heard that before, (laughs) in this area of finances. Like you're saying, believe God, 
and, and maybe for some who are maybe newer to church, um, maybe they haven't read the entire Bible yet or, or didn't grow up in that, the, the Bible is jam-packed mm-hmm. full of how to handle possessions. And it might not say, hey, you're 401K. It might say your crops. 401K, get into Canada. I've never been more exposed for my Americanness than when I talk to Marvin. I tell you. The man bleeds the red and white. Um, no blue. And, and he claims to be van, from Vancouver Island. Hey, he you claims. know we're different over there, he all right? He claims. It's not my fault. But Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8, I think, is a classic. This book of the law shall not doubt part out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in there day and night that thou mayest observe to do according... To the, oh, this is old King James. According to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt, shalt have good success. So as we study look at, meditate on, ruminate, think about, gurgitate God's word, we'll be prosperous and have good success. One trick, what did Joshua have? He only had five books of Moses. That's all he had. He didn't have the Bible you and I have. He had the five books of Moses. And in those five books, God blessed. Have you ever noticed, Jews, Have you ever noticed every nation that Jews go to, they become the financial establishment of that nation? Why is that? Well, let's see now. They rebelled against God. They went into the wilderness and they got killed. Uh, Then the book of Judges, they did their own thing. Uh, Then they said they wanted a king and that didn't turn out well. And then after that, they went into captivity and God gave them a good licking for 70 years. And all of a sudden they said, "Mm, maybe we should obey God's word. So for the last 2,500 years, Jews have been inculcating the Bible, the Old Testament, into their culture, and now they thrive at it. But you know, someone's going to, Kareem, thank you for your song today, because you know, some people are going to say, but we have the name of the Lord. It's the name above all names. Psalm 138, verse 8 says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your very name. We think the name of the Lord is powerful. We think in Jesus' name is a wonderful thing in the charismatic side of things. But God said his word is far more powerful. When you pray for someone who's sick, what do you do? He sent forth his word, healed them, and delivered from every destruction. We go back to the Old Testament and we go back to the word of God and we pile out the word of God because that's where our strength is. So I gotta go fast now. Proverbs 3.8 says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If Elon Musk was sitting here instead of Josh, And if you wanted to do, to know about how Josh to get... Josh is much better looking than Elon, though. Okay, okay. <laughs> Would you ignore Elon Musk if he was sitting right beside you? In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's all the Holy Spirit wants. He just wants you to acknowledge him. Just acknowledge him. Lord, help. How do I get through this? Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us. Do we acknowledge his presence in every decision? 
When we go shopping, hey, my wife can give you lots of stories and we won't get into that. But you know, the thing is, quick story, 1985. I had worked, the, the economy had tanked in the province of British Columbia. Oh, good. I was going to get you to tell this story, but I'm glad you're telling it now, so continue. Okay. I just needlessly interrupted, so okay. If you can believe this, we were talking about this on, on, on Monday night, and we were going for an hour and a half, and we said, oh, we have 30 minutes. But we were just talking to think of where we're going. 1985, the economy had tanked here in the province of British Columbia. We called it recession back then. We came up with a new word for it. Um, I, had, I worked here in the church. I had got half a year's salary for my year of work. The rest of my checks were sitting in my desk. There was no money in the bank. I'm on the edge of bankruptcy. I get the phone. Oh, yeah, we just built a new house. <laughs> so I had a wonderful mortgage, you know. It was wonderful, and the bank kept phoning me. Oh, isn't that wonderful? So here I am. I am teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. And in my devotions, I read a passage in the book of Deuteronomy. It was ridiculous. The passage of scripture was ridiculous. But I said yes. And I tried with the little bit of money I had, I tried to do it. And our finances have never been the same. You see, the reality is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. Deuteronomy 8, he's the one that gives us the power to get wealth. Okay, he's the one that brings the customers. He brings the clients. He's the one that, that brings all these things to us. So are we acknowledging him? Yeah. And, and to bring a, a little more context, I, I think it's worth taking a few minutes. The passage was Deuteronomy 14, correct? Yes. And in this passage, uh, it talks about, you know, we talk about the tithe and sometimes we struggle with that. But in this passage, it actually says, hey, there's, there's a tithe that goes to the Levites or the church. There's a tithe that's actually meant another 10% meant to be for you. All the desires of your heart, whatever you do, you just got to bring Pastor Craig with you, essentially, right? Yeah. That's what it said. Um, and that's what it says. As long as you do it and take all the lusts of your heart, the desires of your heart, as long as you don't forget the Levite. Um, I like that part. Uh, and then it says, and then another tithe to not forget the poor. And so you're sitting there, you've got half your salary for the year, economy crashes, you've got a new house, growing family, and you read this at your kitchen table, and you hear the Lord, you're saying, God, you've got to help me here. And he goes, I will, but you have to live off 70% rather than 100%. And in that moment, you had a choice. So I went to a bank that I had nothing to do with, and I established two savings accounts. One saving account for our tithe, another saving account for the poor. And so I put the money into those accounts. This is besides my tithe, because my tithe is going, the first 10% is going, because that belongs to the Levite. 1985, you remember something happened in 1986. We had Expo. Almost every Monday, our family went to Expo. Now, thank the Lord McDonald's was there so that we were able to affordably 
do it, and Ruth had part of the day off as well. That was 1986. 1987, I asked the kids what we wanted to do, because it says you and your family. Okay, it says your family, this isn't for you. It says whatsoever your soul lusteth after. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible that it says this. And, and I mean, I, I've, I've got Mark here and I'm saying, Mark, you know, I, I hate to tell you this, but the scripture says for strong drink, you know, and we know that you don't want to go there anymore. God's delivered you from that, thankfully, but it's whatsoever you desire. What is the real desire of your heart? Because God hates Christians who are poverty, who have poverty syndrome. God is a good God. He's a generous God. He's a blessing God. He wants us to, in all our ways, acknowledge him. And he says to rejoice before the Lord, you and your family, and don't forget the Levite, we're all supposed to rejoice before the Lord because he's a good God. Yeah. So 1987, I said to my kids, what do you want to do? And all the young ones said, Disneyland, Dad, Disneyland. But Josh has been there through ACE, through the school. Josh and Luke looked at me and said, At Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> they said, world, Dad, world. So we flew to Orlando. We stayed in Orlando for a week. We went to Disney World because God is a good God. Yeah. He's a good God. Then after that, we paid off our house. And we've lived title free and clear in our house. God is a good God. And by the way, for those of you that know, I, went, I sat with Josh one night in the basement of our house across the street. I know just, we told stories on, on Monday, so he remembers this one. Our house was across the street from the church. I'm down in the basement sitting with, my, with Josh just like this, and I said to him, you know, God has been so good to us, there's absolutely nothing I want. He has just been so good. He's been so faithful. Middle of the night, God wakes me up and says, liar. God talks to Marvin a lot like he talks to me. He's probably much kinder to you guys. You want a boat. So for those of you that don't know, the name of my boat, I will spell it to you. Capital letter R space T-I-T-H-E. Our tithe is our boat. And you wouldn't believe how many Christians get provoked by that when we're out on the water. What do you mean our tithe? What's this? You probably get the winks like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> As only Christians can do. But yes, God's a good God and he's yeah. faithful. And by the same token, as, as I'm way over my time now, um, I, I, have to, I just want to put one other thing. Yeah. Scripture says in, in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for a man to be alone, but he will make a helper who is meet, yeah. who is compatible to him in every way. And then in 1 Peter 3, Peter says, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Okay, that your prayers be not hindered. If you're married, you've got to be on the same page with your spouse. You, the two of you become one. And when it comes to anything financial, if you're fighting each other, you won't see God's blessing on it. You need to be working together with the same mind, the same judgment. Yeah.
Love it. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna make three more minutes. I got one more question. Um, and, and this might just kind of bullet points, but when it comes to how you see people, and this could be really practical, and a lot of what I love about, I uh, said, loving the Word of God, it, it, it gives us a lot of practical wisdom and principles. It speaks to the, the, in some ways, the desires and the longings of your heart that are really trying to find identity and satisfaction, and your therapeutic shopping actually won't do that. So there's some of that stuff, but then there's real, just, hey, here's, here's some, of the, some wisdom how to handle finances. What are the, off the top of your head, top five either things to do or culturally things that we're even unaware of? I remember, like, again, in second year Bible college, we had to take personal finance, which I'm forever grateful for. And it was the first time I ever heard about a personal budget. I had stomach ulcers. I was going to the doctor for trying to figure out how to do that while going to school with my 401k in the States. Uh, I was in the States figuring that out. And when we, it was for the first time, I was like, oh, you can live in a way that you know that you'll have enough money for all your bills at the end of the month? Blew my mind. No one ever taught me that. And when I actually got a budget and lived on that budget, my stomach ulcers went away. So a simple one of just live, don't, don't spend more than you make. As simple as that is, culturally, that's not a given anymore. What's maybe two or three other things that you see that you're like, that goes against biblical wisdom, just kind of real quick in the, in the more practicalness underneath the, we just don't believe and take God at his word and put it to action. Yeah, the, fir- the first thing very obviously is spend less than you bring in. Okay, that, that is so obvious, but we are in a debt culture. Okay, and, and the debt culture is wrong. If you have a credit card, credit cards are not bad, okay? But pay it off at the end of every month. Get, your balance has to be zero at the end of every month, okay? Uh, and it, it's just simple stuff like that. There was something else that ran through my head when you were talking, and I forgot it now. Um, but, but that's the basic essence of it, is, is to make sure that you have and, and begin to save. Because you see, you, you, you need to put something aside every month for the rainy day, okay? Because the car's gonna break down, those sorts of things. And by the same token, if you, someone, someone says, well, should we ever go into debt? Well, let me put it this way. Only go into debt for something that appreciates in value. Okay, if it increases in value over time, then you can get into debt. And for example, mortgage, because nobody can buy a house with cash today. Well, Elon Musk maybe, okay? But, but the, the reality is, is no normal person can buy a house, so a mortgage on a house makes sense, but the, because the house appreciates in its value. But if you're borrowing money for things like cars, they rest. Thieves break through and steal. Those sorts of things, no. Uh, and in all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust God. Let the angels give charge over you to, to protect uh, your, your uh, possessions and your things and all those sorts of things. Don't get all caught up in insurance of this, that, or the other thing. Trust God. Lean on him. Love it. All right. Thanks, Marvin. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. And so we looked at, hey, God some of the, the thoughts that God does want us to be blessed. He does want us to generate wealth. How do we manage it? I'd love to take some time to talk about maybe uh, I made some of it. What do you do when you screw it up? So what do you do when you're in? It's like, oh, that sounds, this would have been great 10 years ago. 
This would have been great before I was in $20,000 of debt. That would have been great. Uh, actually, Josh, and he's not just up here because he wanted to go to Disney World rather than Disneyland. Um, but Josh works in a nonprofit that works with people to help get out of debt. Uh, and it's a great ministry and something that Josh is gifted in and is part of his everyday world outside of kind of what he would do in service to the church here. Uh, so, Josh, we're going to ask a few questions of what if we've made some mistakes? And, and I think it's important to talk about this because there's just certain things in the church world that we, it just brings a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. I can't talk about it. And we love to present a different appearance than maybe what's going on uh, behind the scenes. So I think it's important uh, to have that conversation. So first question, Josh, around this theme of trust. Because when we met, they had some different titles and it came down to like, in every area, whether you are generating finances, taking maybe an idea or working hard or managing it or you're in debt, all of those areas, if you don't trust the Lord, believe him, take him at his word, uh, it's not going to go well. So if we are in a place of debt, of crisis, Josh, what does trusting God look like from your perspective? How does someone trust God when they are in debt? That's a good question. Um, yeah, first of all, I'll start off just at a personal level, what trust looks like, and then kind of move into the, the, the depth of the question you're asking there. Um, the scripture verse has always been mentioned. I'll, I'll give it in a different translation. New Living Translation says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And that's really helpful. So if you're, you're well, actually whatever situation you're in, whether it's a rough financial crisis that you're going through or your everyday life, this actually can be a great way to go. And just to give you a quick, a quick example, a quick story, because stories are fun. Um, uh, when I was in university, um, didn't have much money at the time, but I met this, young, uh, this lovely young lady uh, named Michelle, and we eventually got married. But at the time, I was wondering, is she the right one for me? I was asking the Lord for signs, and they all quickly came to pass. I got a lot of confirmation, and eventually I thought, okay, well, I need to take her on a date. But I don't, I'm a university student, don't have much money right now. How do I get some money to take her on a date? And I just asked the Lord at the time, well, you know, I think if, if you provided me with 60 bucks, that, that would be good. Yeah, I think that would be good confirmation we could go on a date, because this was 20 years ago. $60 was a good date back then. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I asked him for that confirmation, and within a day or two, I got a phone call, and someone said, hey, there's this work that needs to be done just a little bit here. Uh, if you do this, these people will pay you 60 bucks. Like, oh, wow, okay, sure, yeah, I guess that's the Lord. So I, I did that work, got the $60, and uh, as I was driving home thinking about it, I just, I guess the Holy Spirit reminded me of something as many years before when I found out about the revolving restaurant in Vancouver, Harbor Center now, I think they call it the top of Vancouver now. I remember at that time um, thinking, wow, when I found out about that, that's the first place I want to take my future wife on a date when she I go to date. Chance. <laughs> There's no chance she was going to say no. But the Lord, I had forgotten about that. The Lord, I think, brought that to my memory. So I remember that. And, oh, yeah, that would be a way better place to go on a first date than, oh, man, 60 bucks isn't going to go very far there. So I looked into it, and at that time, I worked out that $150 actually would, would, would work quite well. And then I thought, well, but there wasn't, we don't just want to go on one date. I wanted, we were both in university, didn't have much time, but we want to go at least one date a week. So one a week, 150 bucks, so every four weeks, that's $600 a month is what I would need. So then I asked the Lord, I said, well, Lord, and actually if at, the, at that time, somebody, I heard them say that if what you have in your hand isn't enough, um, make that your seed. 
And uh, that really spoke to me. And I think the Holy Spirit really quickened that to me that, yeah, you, you should actually believe for more. And so I put all my trust in the Lord. It's like, well, I'll use this as the last confirmation that I need to take Michelle on a date. I'm going to put my $60 in the offering. And if you can give me $600 a month, I will take that as confirmation that I should take her on dates. <laughs> We're simple folk. We're simple folk. So I, I did it, and uh, the very next day I got a phone call and said, uh, again, a type of work I'd never done before, these people need this stuff done. Um, I'm like, well, how much is it paying? They said, ah, oh, we don't know, you need to talk to these guys and see. So I went and had a chat with them and said, yeah, we'd like to pay you uh, $600 a month. What I, what I love about that is you hear the stories of, I, I went to the door and there was a $600 check, and I just trusted it was going to come each month. God opened up an opportunity for you to work. Yes, exactly. To provide. Yes, because blessing often looks like work. Yeah, <laughs> blessing oftentimes looks like Sometimes work. Sometimes it can be a check in the mail, but that's more rare. Um, yeah. Yeah, usually it's work. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Lord provided that source of funds, and it worked within my schedule. The free time that I had, it worked in perfectly. And that source of funds lasted right up until I proposed. And when Michelle said yes, it actually stopped at that point. Because... <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed, but you can see the provision. God had the provision there for a purpose. Across the Jordan. And the man. <laughs> <That's right>. Exactly. <laughs> Into the promised land and the manna stopped. Yeah, that's right. uh, <laughs> to believe for new things. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so, but we've continued with that concept. So our kids have used that concept in asking the Lord, do you want us to go on the super expensive mission trip? And if you do, I'll put my seed in the offering. I believe you for the harvest on this if you want me to go. And the Lord has supernaturally provided every single time for the kids to go on these trips. Great confirmation. We've done that as well with uh, school fees for the school. Like at first, we couldn't afford to send the kids to the school. To so ask the Lord, Lord, if you want our kids to go to the school here, please provide the money. We'll take that as confirmation because we didn't have the money at the time. And for every single one of them, the Lord provided the money and still provides it to this day. So it's just neat how the Lord can come through for us in so many different ways when we trust him and ask him to guide us in all these different areas of our life. Um, and just to finish this, actually, I'll mention a couple other things before I pass on this thought is, um, but there's bigger things in life. There's much bigger things. Um, for example, Joseph and David in scripture, God spoke to both of them. Joseph through a dream, David through a prophet, and told them of much greater things that were to come in their life. And it took a period of years, actually many years, for that to come to fruition. They had to believe God through quite a valley, quite a difficult time for both of them. And, um, they had, and during that process, God developed their character. He worked on them. He developed in them the qualities and the abilities that they would need to succeed later on. If they had won the lottery in their situation and God had dropped the final result on them too soon, they would have had way greater problems than they already had. Yeah, that's good. Like because guys already had problems, <laughs> it would have been amplified. But, but it's the same thing with us too, in our, our lives as well too. We can want big things very quickly, but sometimes there's a process that God takes us on because he wants to develop character in us, patience, and, uh, and develop in us what it's going to take to survive and thrive later on. Because again, I love that, Josh, because at the end of the day, you have, if we believe what the word says, that God's got a cattle on a thousand hills, yeah. saying that finances are not a thing for God. He, he has them. Yeah. And so sometimes they're limited. Well, well, God, you know I have this need. Why would you just give it to me? If you're a good God, you just give it to me. Yes. God doesn't see money the way that we do. He understands that it's a tool. It's not a fulfillment. It's, it's something that can help us get to the thing. It's not the thing. Yes. And when you make money the thing, the, lover, that the, love, the, the root of all evil is the love of money. When you take money and you put it in the place of God, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't worship money. But if... If your bank account dictates 
who you believe you are and those things. So we can get that confused, but you, you have a God that is more concerned with your calling, more concerned with developing the character in you, knowing that when that's there, he can, he can provide whatever is needed in those moments. But oftentimes we want to see the dollar amount because we, we get it out of order. Mm-hmm. And I love that story that, yeah, God could have dropped this on David, but his character wasn't ready. Exactly. Joseph was still a spoiled brat that wanted to tell all his brothers, hey, look at me, look what I get to do. Yeah. That in that process, what does it look like to trust the Lord in these situations? Is not just, God, fix this for me, but Lord, if there's anything you're trying to teach me, if there's anything you're trying to add to me that I need to learn, would you show me? Yes, yes. And the neat thing is, too, is God doesn't leave us hanging. Just like with Christianity, he doesn't just give us this religion, follow this religion, and it's boring and dry. He wants to have a relationship with you, not relation, not religion. He wants to uh, to walk with you, to guide you, direct you. And so the Holy Spirit wants to be an active part of your life. So if you're truly contending for something, you're standing on God's word, you're following his ways, and you keep at that, he'll confirm things in all sorts of ways. We've had confirmation of all sorts of things that are coming through dreams, both of ourselves and other people. Uh, many people have spoken to us in different ways. God confirms it multiple times. Even one time, I had a dream and was sharing it with my wife about something that's coming in the future. And one of my daughters overheard it, and she came up to me afterwards, and she's like, uh, do you want to know the interpretation of that dream? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and she told me what every single element meant in the dream, what the whole thing meant, and what the end result was. And just interpreted the whole thing like, wow, thank you, Lord. So God can speak to us through so many ways, even our kids, and he can encourage us in the process because even though you have to wait for something good and it takes time, God wants to encourage you along the way so you're not just left hanging. Love that. In the midst, come on, that's good. So in finding ourselves in a crisis, because a lot of the times, I think I've seen two reactions. If you're in debt or in crisis in a rough situation, it's like, okay, God, now I'll finally trust you. And it's like once we do a great job of, this is more me and my tendencies, once I've done a real grade A job of messing my life up, I'm like, God, you said you'd help. And he's like, okay, he's gracious and he's loving. Or it's like, no, I got myself into this. I got to pull up my bootstraps and I got to get myself out. But trusting the Lord is learning to say, God, I I believe what you're I'm going to look for confirmation. I'm going to take wise steps. Who do you tell me to go or where do I need to go? But if someone today is in over their head with debt or are really struggling financially, uh, what are some practical advices of things that are maybe available to them as far as resources or sure. what would some of those steps would you think uh, sure, you've sure. seen be helpful? Yeah, so I'd, I'd approach it in, uh, in, in yeah. I'll give you the, uh, maybe, uh, there's a number of ways you can approach it, but I'll give you a holistic approach and we'll bring it and all the pieces and we'll bring it all together. So first of all, we're a church that believes that we should have, use God's word to guide us in our lives. So whenever we're going to do something, we should say, what does God's word have to say about this situation? So that's the first thing we should be doing, to say, what does God have to say about the situation? So for example, if someone is in a worst case scenario financially and they're feeling really stressed about the situation, there's, an, uh, there's precedent for that in scripture. Jesus says, if you're in a real jam, find a way to settle with a person before you go to court. And uh, that would be a worst case scenario financially. But drawing the wisdom from that. So basically it's saying, get in front of your situation and address it as best you can before things get worse. Um, So scripture tells us that... Say that one more time. That was good. (laughs) Uh, So... 
Scripture encourages us to ask God for wisdom, and, and we should do that. And in Proverbs, the book of wisdom, it tells us to, that we make our plans, but God directs our steps. So the first thing would be to start with making a plan. And then you can take your present plan, present it to the Lord, and ask him for confirmation. Is this what he wants you to do? So as part of doing that, a plan could be increasing your income. <clears throat> So you could, for example, look for more overtime, get a second job potentially if you have time for that, start a business on the side, you could rent out part of your house, even rent out, some people even rent out a parking space. If you have an extra one or something, there's many creative ways you can look to increase your income and maybe the hardship you're going through is an opportunity where God wants you to step out in something, start a side business or whatever, right? Who knows? That's something else to learn about. Another plan could be selling assets. If you have toys, uh, extra recreational vehicles, maybe uh, your spouse has been on your case to downsize the house for a while. There could be different ways you could solve your problem by selling assets. And then, of course, a great one that's already been mentioned is um, your budget. And that, uh, the first way you'd approach that is just looking at your expenses. Like, are you spending more money every month than you earn? And if you track your spending for a number of weeks, you can then find out for sure. Because we, we lie to ourselves, and we think that we're, we're not spending as much as we do, but we often spend a lot more. Track your spending. After tracking your spending, you can put together a spending plan. It's also called a budget. And um, with that, you can then find creative ways to decrease your expenses. And if you need to talk to a credit counselor about that, that would be a great thing to do. They're, they're very skilled in that. They're trained and, and they're actually budgeting experts. Um, you can talk to one in, in BC. Uh, the, the, the Credit Counseling Society are good people to talk to. Credit Counseling Society? Yeah, their website is nomoredebts.org. Credit no more Counseling debts. Society, yeah. Um, you can talk to them for free and just see what they have to say. They'll help you put together a budget and they'll help you look at your options. What options do you have to get out of debt? Because actually that's an, another thing too that uh, someone would look at is so another part of your plan to get out of debt would be consolidating debt. So you can do, you can do a consolidation loan, put some on your mortgage. They even have other options like a debt management program. And there's other options, other debt relief options that are available. They can go through those with you, show you the pros and cons. But I think it's a good way just to look at uh, natural processes ways to help yourself out. Like we've talked about supernatural ways God's provided for us and blessed us, but the normal thing in most of our lives, most of the time, is you have to engage a normal, a natural process. Like the farmer normally doesn't go to his barn and find, wow, look at that, my barn is full of grain. How did that happen? This is amazing. No, he has to go and plant it first, and then he has to reap it himself. That's the, the natural process God normally works with, and he blesses that process. It's very unusual that the farmer would find his barn already full of grain. So, so these are the natural things you need to look into and consider these things and then take it to the Lord. But in scripture too, if we look at scripture, it provides us a number of examples of people getting out of debt as well. And we can grab some insights from that too. So for example, Peter had a tax debt and he went to Jesus to ask about how do I, we deal with this tax debt? And Jesus gave him a solution. Just like the, uh, the widow who also had a debt went to Elisha and said, what do I do? And he said, what do you have in your house? And she had some oil. And so, so in both cases, the man of God, God spoke through the prophet or through Jesus and told the, each of these individuals, gave them a solution to the problem. So we too should go to God and try to see what solution might he have for our problem. And even too, just like the man of God spoke this, the solution to them, there might be someone in your life who hears from the Lord, and they might be able to speak a word of wisdom into your life too. So be open to all these things. I love that you said on Monday when we were talking that verse is, uh, there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. Yes, yes. And oftentimes we, we do that, but we forget that our primary counselor is the Holy Spirit. Yes. He is our counselor. So in the midst of godly wisdom in people that you have relationships with, don't skip the counselor. 
who is meant to be a part of and I would say primary yes. in that multitude of counselors. Yes, yeah, yeah. And what Daniel's referring to is we're talking about if you have a table of counselors, like the scripture verse talks about, there's wisdom in having many counselors. So one of your counselors could be trusted friends, people you know who are good with money, could be an elder in the church, a pastor, could be various different people in your life, a credit counselor, could be one of Dave Ramsey's books or his videos. He's got great content. And there's other Christian ministries as well that have great financial content. You can look those people up and those people can be some of your counselors sitting at your table. But don't forget the great counselor, the Holy Spirit, because you're supposed to acknowledge him in all your ways, and acknowledging him is acknowledging him that he's actually sitting at your table, and that he wants to advise you. And one last question, because um, we can hear this sometimes. What, what's your advice? Because again, we're talking about the word of the Lord, keeping that trust in the Lord based on his word, doing that, um, and keeping that primary. What about then going to a deck? What if my debt collector, or not debt collector, my debt counselor, um, doesn't believe in Jesus? Okay, should good I, question. Should I take yeah. his advice? Should this only be in the church? So how do we handle that? Uh, good question. Yeah, some, some Christians have a problem with that. Because in Proverbs it says, uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And that's really good advice. But one thing to be careful of is... When you hire a plumber, an electrician, someone to fix your computer, all these different things, you're hiring someone for a technical skill. You're not gonna ask your plumber for life advice. How should I raise my kids, Mr. Plumber? <laughs> like, like, no, uh, you can ask someone who's qualified and a godly person for life advice like that. The plumber is there to help unplug a blockage in your pipes, just like a credit counselor is there to help unblock a blockage in your finances. So you're after their technical advice, their technical experience, if they start offering you life advice, well, you can take that with a grain of salt and take that to other wise people and to God's word and say, what does God's word have to say about that? What do other wise godly people have to say about that? So look to a technical person for technical knowledge and advice, but receive life advice from godly people. Love that. And, and can you share, what was that, uh, the organization one more time here in BC? Yes, in BC, the nonprofit that you'd want to speak to is the Credit Counseling Society and their website is nomoredebts.org. Nomoredebts.org. So yeah. If you're in that place and that would be helpful, you can go jump back on our YouTube if you didn't get a chance to write it down to watch that. Uh, and one of the things today as kind of a, a step is uh, after Christmas and the new year, when we kind of launch our small groups again, we're going to be launching a small group around personal finance. It's going to be very basic, uh, but maybe for people like me where you're just struggling to put together a budget. Maybe you're newly married and you are great with your own budget, but now you got someone else that's spending your money and, 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 you, and you, didn't, you didn't think that was going to happen. That was me. I was great with my personal budget. And then Katie, because uh, it was easy for me to say, oh, I'll spend a little bit more on food here because I just won't buy that shirt or for clothing there. But then when she goes and spends it, let's be honest, Katie is not the spender here. I am. I'm the, I'm the guilty one. Let's just say that. So, but, so if you're interested in that, and there's just some very basic steps for how to create a budget, what does maybe the beginning of retirement look like, uh, just some practical help uh, in a small group setting, you can head out in the lobby at the Connect Center. Johnny is there, and he's just going to take your, just your name, phone number, and email, and so that when that's ready, we will send that information directly to those today that are interested in that. Maybe a new couple, whatever age, whatever situation you're in. Um, because the reality is that as much God, as much as God does care about the spiritual aspect of your life, this is a real practical thing that will affect your ability to walk in and reflect the generous, generosity of Jesus. And we started by saying God desires and his plan for you is to overflow in this area. Overflow looks different for every person. I'm not saying 
hey, just do this, and God will make you rich. Live in a manner in such a way that we understand that everything I have, not just the tithe, everything I have is meant for his kingdom. When I learn to steward that well, I understand whatever God brings into my life is not just meant for me. Can we give a hand to uh, Josh and Marvin? Thanks so much. Um, and Marvin, could I ask you just pray over us today when it comes to this area of finance? People maybe struggle with guilt, mistakes, questioning, oh, do I, I'm going to take a step and for the first time believe and trust God in this area. And then we'll go from there. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful. We're thankful that you are the wonderful counselor and that you said that you want to be God with us, Emmanuel. So, Father, we're asking in your goodness and your grace that you would come to each person in the midst of their situation. And Father, for those who are struggling, we're asking you to come as the wonderful counselor. We're asking you to come and lead them by your word and your spirit to help them walk through where they are so that they can get to where you want them to be. And Lord, we pray for those who are, are just living and coasting. The Lord, you said the just shall live by faith. And so, Lord, we're asking you from your word to put a few challenges in their way. Just give them a few opportunities for them to be able to see you alive and well, that your word works. Because, Lord, we thank you that you are the infinitely personal God. And you know us, you know our situations, you know exactly what's going on. So, Father, we're asking you today that you would just come into our situations, into our circumstances, that you would open your word to us, that you would lead us, let us hear your voice and your direction so that we might glorify you in the midst of the earth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys can make your way off stage. Uh, thanks so much. One more hand. We've talked about asking the Lord for his direction and following what he has for you. If you struggle with that, if you really struggle to hear the Lord's voice and to, and to follow his direction and to hear it, like, I'm not sure, was that just my tummy growling or was that just, or did I hear from the Lord? Like, if you're really not sure about that, like, this can be a struggle for a lot of people. There's a lot of mature people in this church, a lot of mature Christians in other places too, get together with a mature believer and say, hey, I, I'm looking to hear from the Lord. I'm trying to get direction. Can you help me with this? Can you pray with me in regards to this and get someone to help you? Because there's many ways you can hear from the Lord and you don't want to do anything rash or anything wrong. And also, whatever you do, make sure you run it by at least one other person. Get at least one other person to hear what your plan is. And so it's not just you and the Lord all by yourself. You need to have other counselors with you. Make sure that you have other people that are consulting with you so that you can make a wise choice. That's great. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.